Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best of bailiwick sport. Coming up today, following confirmation that Joe Adams has become the island's latest professional footballer, we'll hear from his dad and former coach about his journey to League One side Wigan Athletic. Really, for all of us, it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind um, and a little bit of disbelief. You know, hats off to Joe for the fantastic hard work that he's actually put in and, and, and the success that's come his way. Also, the waiting's almost over for Griffin's Cricket Club. They head to Spain next week to represent Guernsey in the European Cricket League for the very first time. We speak to their manager, Rob Thompson, and the man who'll lead them on the field, Luke Letissier. It's a globally televised competition that's featuring 30 clubs from 29 different European countries, so it's, it's massive, really. That's pretty daunting when you then scale that back down to to Griffin's Cricket Club. Uh, Plus we'll reflect on some of the highlights of last week and look ahead to what else is coming up too. I'm Tony Kerr with Gareth Neprevo. Hi Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hi Tony. Great to see you guys. Um, Yeah, fair amount going on this week and lo and behold we've got another professional footballer unveiled. A, A real kind of golden moment I don't know for Guernsey football uh, we've waited so long for, for players to kind of really push on to, to the kind of high levels of the professional game yeah and we've got another one in Joe Adams yeah it's, it's just great news I mean we, we sort of were made aware that this move was going to be happening um, uh, what is it 10 days ago now I, I, I suppose um, one, some, uh, somebody let something out the bag a bit early from um, from his club down in, in Hampshire but it's obviously great news for for Joe and uh, and his family, and also sort of like the, those who have put a lot of time and effort into his progression. Obviously, he was with Orma over here, and also um, at St Martin's as a junior as well. Um, but he's obviously made a big impression. You know, getting selected for an England schoolboys squad is 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 a great achievement in itself. But uh, to then go on and within pretty much a month be signing your first professional contract at a club who are going very well, the League One, second place, I believe, at the moment. They're looking very good, Wigan. Um, no, it's, it's great for him and, and great for Guernsey football to now have him, Alex Scott and sort of fingers crossed Ben Acey's move um, to Bristol City also comes off and yeah, what a, what a golden generation they've produced really. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, it's another Twitter feed to follow. I'll be Wigan, gold, you know, match updates cluttering up my Twitter feed now for, forevermore probably. But Yeah, we did have that this week actually. <laughs> it was, uh, I've, I've switched off on my own and left it on the, on the press one. So we, we have got Wigan updates coming through for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, as I say, it's obviously been a, a huge week for him. It was Tuesday that saw that official confirmation uh, that Joe had signed his professional deal uh, with Wigan. Um, and... Uh, yeah, just 17 years old. He marked it with a goal on his debut. So a pretty good way to sort of signal your arrival. It, that is for the under 18s. He, he was sort of straight into to their side on the day uh, that the contract signing was announced. Um, it is an initial 18-month contract. He'd been part of Eastleigh's academy this season uh, and he'd been playing as well for non-league Scholing, where he made a, a pretty big impact, it's fair to say, with them in a short space of time. Well, I caught up with Joe's dad, Ed, who's also, of course, his former coach at Ormer FC and began by asking just how proud he's been this week. The last few weeks has, has been a, a, bit of a, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, just before Christmas... Uh, Joe, Joe attended the final England trials for the England schoolboys, the under-18s. And in fact, that's where the Wigan scouts actually were. So, um, one, he, he got into the England uh, under-18 team. Uh, and from there, the, the scouts picked him up and he was invited into Wigan after Christmas. Uh, he, he went on trial for a couple of days. Uh, I think it was a Thursday and a Friday. played a game on the Saturday and um, they made an offer f- f- from there, really. 
Yeah, fantastic. And what was that moment like? You know, when the when the sort of ink's drying on the contract, and and I guess yeah, for you guys. Um... Well, is it, uh, well, unfortunately, I, I couldn't be over there to be be with him because of teaching commitments. But um, my wife was over there, and obviously, I was following things very closely. Uh, and to be fair, it's <laughs> it's all a bit of a disbelief, really. <laughs> Um, it's only when you see the photographs and you, you, you know, you chat to him, you chat to the, the various people. And, and subsequently I'd been over to Wigan for a weekend just to, they, they showed me around and where he'd be actually staying and, and the training ground and behind the scenes. And, um, well, uh, what an amazing setup, you know, a, a club that were in the premier league relatively recently, um, have run, run into troubles and, and bounced back from administration in, striking fashion really so really for all of us it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind um and a little bit of disbelief um but you know hats off to joe for the fantastic hard work that he's actually put in and 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 the success that's come his way yeah and he hasn't started too badly either scoring in that under 18s game <laughs> on some day one <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was following the game and you know, once again, it's a bit of a dream start 30 minutes into your debut to actually score. So, um, yeah, what a great start. Yeah, and you mentioned the the sort of hard work that's that's got him to this point. Just give us sort of the sort of potted history of, of Joe's football then, because um, the, the, there's a sort of few marker points, aren't there? I know he's, he's played with Elizabeth College, he's been at St. Martin's, there was the Ormer FC stuff, and, and subsequently going away uh, at the age of 16. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, really, you know, it's 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 a lot of hard work by a lot of people, and it, and it's certainly, you know, uh, there are a lot of people to thank, particularly St Martin's Football Club. Um, that's where I guess the foundation came from. Uh, from there, we we kind of moved on to the Orma thing, and obviously with Elizabeth College. Uh, so playing for Orma for a couple of years in the in the Junior Premier League, uh, and. It, I guess that was a, a, one of those turning points for a lot of the boys that they started to realise that they could compete on a, on a national level. Uh, and he was one of those ones he wanted to press on. Uh, an opportunity arose for him to play under-16 football in the UK. So he, he was flying backwards and forwards whilst doing his education. Uh, he was playing for Eastleigh. Um, and from there, once he'd done his GCSEs, it was... Instead of A-levels, he decided he wanted to go back to Eastleigh, do a, a B-Tech in sports science, uh, do two years at the academy uh, and see where it would actually take him. Uh, you know, luckily for him, um, part of that football education was also getting into senior football in the UK and playing with Showling, which is obviously men's football at step four. Uh, they were incredibly good to him uh, from dropping him in as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old uh, and getting a huge amount of experience and exposure playing for a relatively high-profile club. And and from that, there was a, a interest from a number of clubs and, and I guess it snowballed from there, really. And how proud are you of him for, for making that leap at 16 and, and sort of being very, I suppose, single-minded in, in knowing what he wants to do and then uh, you know, yeah, a year or so well, or two later... Incredibly, you know, proud, incredibly proud of him because... It's a it's a big ask for anyone to you know to leave your home, leave your friends behind, uh, go and start somewhere else uh, afresh, uh, meeting new people in in a highly competitive environment. Uh, it says an awful lot for him and and that mentality to the will to succeed, if you like. So yeah, we're all incredibly proud of him. 
And it is a really interesting story around Orma as well. Um, at the moment, obviously, we've got Ben AC, who it seems like is, you know, on the verge of a, a professional contract at Bristol City. Um, other players as well doing really well um, in age group football and, and, and coming into senior football here in Guernsey. Um, how integral do you think that was to, to the whole thing? Uh, well, first of all, um, Ben trained with Orma. Uh, on and off uh, due to his Southampton commitments. He didn't actually play for us. Um, but however, aside from that, all of the boys, I think nearly every single one of them who, who play for Orma, the, the older age group, have gone on to play pre-O football. Uh, I see many of them have, have gone on to play under-18 football. Now, I'm not for one minute claiming, you know, that's down to Orma FC because there are a lot of other people who have done an incredible amount of work at the GFA clubs, uh, the, you know, the pathway, um, the opportunities that GFC pr provide as well. But I guess it's one of those things that it's a stepping stone. And I think going away and that regular commitment to playing some high profile games against quality opposition that range from uh, semi-professional to professional clubs uh, to uh, at one point we played the Kenyan national team. So you, you kind of get an idea of the stepping stones that went on with the, with the Orma thing. Uh, and a lot of that good work has carried on since we, we stopped actually traveling backwards and forwards to the UK. So I'd say it's a stepping stone. Um, but lots of other important stuff goes on as well. And that, from what I gather with the Orma stuff, you know, obviously, you know, you're Joe's dad and there's a few other sort of father-son kind of combos in, in the sort of coaching setup. And I guess for you guys, it was about giving your youngsters the, the sort of best opportunities. Now now that they're getting older and, and, and they're sort of moving on from that, do those opportunities still exist for the sort of 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds in Guernsey or is it kind of up to parents to, to make it happen? Um, I think, well, one of the, initially when we start, started the Orma thing, there was, there was no real intention to go and play uh, league football in the UK. It, was, it, it really was a, a situation, what I was trying to do was replicate a little bit of my childhood uh, living in the UK. And I always remember the great fun that I had with my teammates by going away and, and playing football in, in summer holidays, six-a-side competitions that run throughout the country. And what I was trying to do was trying to replicate that for my son and his friends. And that's initially where we started to take them away, was to go and have that experience, uh, bonding together as a, as a bunch of mates, playing football, which they absolutely love to do. Um, and, and really, it, it came down to, you know, some good, very, very good friends of mine, like Russ Hammond and, and Wayne Duport uh, and the and the other kind of family members of, of the players who, who rallied around and sort of took a, a kind of vision uh, and embraced it and, and made it happen. So, yes, yeah, sometimes it requires uh, people to step up because it's, you know, it's a huge ask for, for coaches and uh, football clubs to do these things. Um, we were just in a unique position where suddenly I realised we had a, a group of very talented players and a, a group of talented and committed parents. Uh, and the combination of the both um, uh, allowed us for a couple of years uh, to really kind of push the Orma idea. And it's brilliant to see where it's gone. I mean, we went quite a few years in Guernsey without um, sort of many high profile uh, players going on to the professional game I know we had a couple but um, at the moment with Alex Scott doing so well at Bristol City and, and now with Joe and, and hopefully Ben going away as well it, it, do you think is it a blip is it just a sort of golden generation of youngsters or, or is it a sign that we really are doing things right in Guernsey at the moment? 
Well, I think I think there is, you know, there, there's a huge amount to actually be said for, you know, what's gone on at, at some of the football clubs on the island. And, uh, you know, a lot of the credit has to come down to people like Darren Artisio at St. Martins. That's the, the club where Joe actually was. And, and you can see from, you know, Joe playing there. You can see from uh, Alex Scott playing there, Mayer playing there. That, in, in fact, in terms of the coaching that goes on, um, it, it helps build the basics in the game in, in those players. Yeah, and it's going to be really exciting to see how how Joe takes things on over at Wigan. Um, as you say, the, you know, you've seen the setup and it, and it sounds like um, it's a club in a, in a really good place again and certainly buoyant in, in League One. So um, a club on the up. I mean, what, what, what have uh, you guys spoken about in terms of, of his uh, kind of targets and ambitions for, for those 18 months that he sort of initially signed on for? Well, He's already got his own personal targets that are set with uh, the guys at the club and really what they're looking to do that, that in terms of feedback that we've received, in terms of his technical and tactical ability, they had him down as outstanding. One area that he needs to work on is his physical development. And whilst he's six foot two, um, he's six foot two and, and life a pencil, really. So uh, he needs to fill out a little bit. So they've got they've got some plans for him to do that. The The plan going forward is for him to play under 23 football very very shortly um they're hoping at the moment that he'll be ready come pre-season uh, the start of the next season that he'll be ready for first team football but that's not to say that he won't get opportunities um with the under 23s potentially in a cup competition uh, to go and out there and represent the Wigan first team so it's it's within his grasp it's how far he, he pushes himself did, did it mean making that choice between signing a professional contract and and playing for the England schools uh, under 18s uh, yeah, I presume that there sort was of... that there was that unfortunately because the professional contract part of the rules of the England schools FA is that you can't be a professional footballer and play for them so Yes, that was mooted. Uh, you know, that was a discussion we had around the table as a family. But Joe, you know, his thoughts were he wanted to get the Wigan as quickly as possible because they created such a positive uh, environment that he felt very, very comfortable there. And that's what he wanted to do. You know, he, he's got a lot of people to thank here in Guernsey for his, his development. Um, and he's going to try and take it to the next level. Um, he wants to try and get in the first team as quickly as possible. And he's also got one eye on, you know, representing his country again. So we'll see where, how far that takes him as well. Yeah, amazing. Oh, we could see, uh, well, we could see him and Alex going head to head next season, potentially. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Yes. No, it's great to see all of those guys coming through and getting opportunities. And, and I'm sure it creates a, a kind of um, a, a viewpoint, a bridge, uh, you know, an, an ambition by other younger players to actually replicate what these guys have already done. Brilliant. Oh, we wish him all the best. Can't wait to see how he gets on. Thanks, Ed, Thank for your you. time. Okay, thanks very much. Ed Adams there talking to me. Looking forward to seeing how uh, Joe gets on in the professional game, for sure. We wish him all the very best. Um, right, normally uh, towards the end of the show, we'll have a look ahead at what's coming up in the next seven days or so, and we will do that um, a bit later on. But first, I want to look ahead to uh, an event that returns a bit later in the month, Jamie, and it is a big one, the Guernsey Rally. Um, obviously hasn't been around for a couple of years, but we had the, the confirmation of the stage maps um, and it's set to be a pretty exciting event. Um, looks so, yes. Um, so the Guernsey Rally this year will be taking place between the 25th and 26th of this month. Um, so on the Friday, we'll have the return of the night stages, which adds an interesting element. I'm sure we're sorely missed when we 
ha- didn't have them during the last event in 2020. But I think uh, one of the big talking points will be a stage at Petit Bow. Um, that will be, to a certain extent, a downhill version of the hill climb they often do there, as well, and then going up the other side. So... <laughs> Sounds very tricky and technical. It'll be interesting to see how the drivers deal with that. Yeah, I don't know what kind of speeds they're going to be going down there. It just sounds very scary to me. <laughs> going down a hill that's used more regularly as a hill climb, that takes quite a lot of talent and a heck of a lot of nerve as well. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, and there's obviously a good contingent of local drivers, um, a few coming over from Jersey and the UK as well. I know uh, particularly um, ones to watch from Jersey won it last time and we've won the Jersey rally a few times. Won uh, Dom- it the last three times. Yeah, <laughs> Ross Lanier and Dominic Volante. And it, I, I, I've covered the Jersey rally a couple of times and, and covered their wins. And Ross is, uh, yeah, he's, he's very quiet. Doesn't say, you know, doesn't say a huge amount. Dominic normally sort of does the talking for him, but he just, he says he's scared about sitting in the, in the seat with, with him driving because he just like, he gets so much out of the car. So I mean, what they're going to do going down Petit Bay, um is it's probably going to be worth watching. For sure, yeah. It's uh, a very entertaining stage, that's undoubted. But uh, yeah, it's just just the thought of that is is quite nerve-wracking from my point of view, yeah. Yeah, and a two-day event, obviously, Jamie, as you say, um, Friday night and Saturday, and there's a, a pretty long stretch as well in one of the stages on Saturday. Yeah, I think in general, it's a bigger and better event, expanding on what they've done previously. But yes, uh, one of the stages will be 2.7 miles, which will be the longest we've seen yet. So it's nice to see the event developing after not having it for two years. Yeah, I don't know. The, the rally's not popular with everyone, is it? Um, obviously, it takes um, uh, yeah, a degree of setting up. Should we say? I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's a huge amount of work to, to finalise those stages and, and smooth everything over from the organisers. And I don't know, having covered a couple of Jersey rallies um, and, and the Guernsey rally when it first started here, it is... I don't know it is worth the effort even if you're not a motorsport fan I think just to to, to put up with it for a day or two because um, it is it's different isn't it to what we get from hill climb or sprint or whatever it, it, I don't know it, it is quite an exciting uh, exciting watch to see um, the cars absolutely slamming around like tight lane corners well yeah and these these rallies like you say both the Jersey and the Guernsey rally they, they sort of show off the iron and they showcase the iron really well I think and um it's not a surprise to me that we get the visiting drivers from the UK and Jersey. Obviously, we've had the COVID issues, but um, yeah, fingers crossed they all get over here safely. And 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 it will be just a, a really great event for what is literally a 36-hour period. And they they move around the island pretty swiftly, so um, it, it, I don't think it's that major a disruption. And um, no, it, it brings visitors here. It does. Um, show off our picturesque lanes and what have you. I, I just think it's a, it's a really good event. Yeah, congratulations to the organisers for, for getting uh, getting off the ground again so post-COVID. Um, yeah, we'll, I'm sure, have a full preview before um, before the event later this month. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, right, well, that's just about it, I think, for the first part. Um, coming up next, we'll be talking about cricket, Spain and Griffins. Welcome back. If you aren't already, do make sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get every episode delivered straight to you. And as ever, we'd love to hear your feedback. Get involved on social media at GSY Press Sport is the place to go on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, one local cricket club is about to enter uncharted territory when it comes to the local game. Uh, Griffins won last summer's Evening League Division 1. Well, they actually ended up winning most things, didn't they? But um, with it earned Guernsey's first ever spot in 
the European Cricket League, which has been dubbed the Champions League of European Cricket. Uh, they head to Spain next week to compete in the group stage against the Champions of Ireland, amongst others. Uh, the tournament's played out over six weeks with five groups uh, feeding into a finals week. So do well, and Griffins could well be heading back again not uh, long after. Uh, Jersey Champions Farmers also represented. They play in a later week, so I'm sure they'll be watching uh, closely. Uh, well, before travelling out there, Gareth and I caught up with team manager Rob Thompson and stand-in captain for the week and a man they'll be looking to score quick runs in the T10 format, Luke Letissier. Lua, Rob, welcome to the pod. Great to see you. Thanks for having us. Exciting times ahead, hey? Busy old month and uh, yeah, get your passports out for uh, this first kind of Guernsey participation um, in the European Cricket League. Uh, let me come to you first, Lua. Just uh, as a player, um, how much are you looking forward to being a part of this competition? Oh, massively. I mean, we we waited a while to, to win the league over here. Um, so for us to do it and then get this as a, a reward, it's, yeah... It's great. It's really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, be, be a good week, I'm sure. And obviously you've played for your island before. Um, slightly different setup here. I mean, have you been able to kind of glean much about what the quality is going to be like? No, so obviously I've played against some of the, some of the countries will be in the group, but um, club-wise, yeah, no, it's just going in all open-minded, see, see what's what. Um, yeah, hit a few balls about and uh, <laughs> try and win some games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and for you, Rob, um, obviously you've been sort of steering this Griffins uh, club for a little while now. Um, what's your view on on how big an opportunity this is for Guernsey cricket? Yeah, it's huge. It's um, the, the I guess it, you know it's it's a globally televised competition that's featuring thirty clubs from twenty nine different European countries. So it's it's massive, really. That's pretty daunting when you then scale that back down to, to Griffin's Cricket Club. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting for us to be the first representatives of Guernsey to go. So that's, that's pretty cool. You know, signed, that Guernsey signed the deal to be part of this, I think, a couple of years ago. But COVID um, sort of affected the last two versions of this. So that's a nice thing to do. Um, we'll always have that. We'll always have been the first, the first team to go. Um, but yeah, it's just about, we'll take it as it comes, really. We've not really done too much work on who we're going to be playing against. We roughly know the format. As Lewis said, though, we just get out there. We know what we, know what we can do. We know our own games. Um, go hit some balls and, and have some fun. And um, what do you find about the sort of the, the T10 format, Lua? Because it probably suits you down to the ground. <laughs> Not an awful lot of time on the playing field. Yeah. But as a sort of as a club, I mean, starting last season, looking at the Griffins lineup, you'd probably suggest it's more of a sort of 50 over sort of specialist side. But I mean, how do you think you'll be able to cope with the, the T10 um, quick bish bash bosh sort of format? Well. It's unsure, really. We've obviously never played it before, um, so it is new to everyone, not just myself, literally all 15 of us travelling. Um, but yeah, he'll be quick, it'll be, it's on a mat as well, which as a spin bowler isn't ideal for myself, but as a batter, it's it's um, nice, come onto the bat nicely, short boundaries, sunny, hopefully, um, and then we'll, um, yeah, just, we'll just have some fun. I think I think for me what it what it probably does is closes up the competition. Um, you know, if you've got if, if if every side, which we fully expect, probably got a couple of big hitters yeah. in such a short format, it, it probably does close it up. So for us, that's probably good when 
we play who we perceive to be the, the stronger side and top seeds and the Irish guys, but equally when we're playing the other teams, it probably levels things off. Um, and we know that locally over here, the shorter the format you go, the closer the games inevitably are. So um, we'd have potentially like to slightly longer format, but fully understand for, for something like this and what the European Cricket League are trying to achieve, this is absolutely the right format. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, t- for those who don't know, sort of T10 is literally 10 overs per side batting. Um, can you go there with sort of like any idea as to what would be a good score or anything like that? I've done my research actually, Gareth. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> um, yeah, so average score in T10 in all the tournaments that have been held in the last six months sort of thing is, is 110. <laughs> R- Rob's looking very impressed. It is. What? It is. <laughs> on that ground. On that ground on the mat, average score is 110. So you've done that research, but I actually try to think about some field positions. <laughs> no, I'm overthinking it. I've got them all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We'll see. Well, the thing is, if you went in and batted the best part of Denovers, you'd probably get quite a few more than that, I reckon. <laughs> I don't know. I could nick off first ball, get caught. Well, you could it's do, it's yeah. cricket. Yeah. You only get one life, really. So, I think the good thing we've got is is we've got options with with our batters we've discussed that already as a, we've set up a bit of a, a small leadership group within the squad and we had a, a look at four of us so me and Lua and then um, Adam and Jason separately we had a look at how we'd pitch it in terms of a, of a top six seven and some bowling options and the, there's no getting away from the fact that we've got plenty of options mm-hmm. with, with with both um, and we fancy ourselves as a fielding unit as well so we can go out there and Someone's not feeling it. We know we can we can switch it round, and we've got a top six seven that can all clear the ropes. So, yeah, we we fancy. I think, don't we? Yeah, I certainly do. Have <laughs> <laughs> you been working on your reverses uh, over the winter? Though? Yeah, yeah, been in the nets since November. Um, so, yeah, ready to go. Very keen. Obviously, you're without regular captain Tom Kirk, who's, uh, I suppose, well, he appears to be a massive driving force in terms of that sort of competitive Griffin spirit. Um, how big a miss is he? And can you kind of, can you maintain that sort of doggedness that saw you through a lot of games last season? Yeah, you, you can't, probably can't quantify how much of a miss he is. And it's obviously a, a, such a shame because he's been first team captain for so many years. And he's been key to not just the success we had last year, but successes we had back in 2016-17. And this represents the biggest thing we've ever done. So to not have Tom with us, you know, we're all still absolutely gutted about. But equally, it's it's for, it's for good reason. So so we all fully understand. But I think what what Tom's done and what we as a club have done have, have developed, and I think what probably stands as a part in more recent times is the unit that we've created and that bond that we've got as a team and as a squad. So take one person out, that, that won't go. Um, and that's kind of become apparent as we've gone through this process, getting towards ultimately leaving. You know, we, we, it's been pretty tight-knit, just the way that we've approached it, the way we've talked about it, the way we've thought about it. Um, and I don't expect that to change. And I think once we go on the field... I think it's fair to say Lou is a pretty competitive chap anyway. So, <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> yeah. I don't expect to lose any of that that desire and, and fight. And as I said, I think we've got that pretty much instilled within any, everyone anyway. And in terms of some of the other names there, you've got Jason Martin back involved. He's obviously uh, great behind the stumps and a, and a dangerous batsman in his own right. And, and your brother Glenn as well, back in the fold. 
It'd be it'd great. Be, it'd be great thirteenth man, wouldn't it? <laughs> that high. <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be good. So, yeah, I mean, we know um, Glenn has, hasn't played for a few years, but um, as soon as he made himself available, T10 on a mat, he's. Um, I mean, he's Andy player. He always was Andy player. But the likes of obviously, we've been without Fitchy and Hoops um, due to COVID. They've not been able to get over in the last couple of seasons. Again, massive admissions into the squad. Um, like for like, really, I guess. Um, Fitchy will slot in top of the order for Philp, I suppose, who would normally bat in our top four in this sort of format. Um, and Hoops is just Hoops, isn't he, really? <laughs> Battle bowler, great fielder. Um, slots in anywhere you need him and want him. Um, so, yeah, good, good, strong and youngish squad as well, which is always nice to see. You mentioned sort of the preparation you put into sort of some of your batting lure for sort of since November, but as a squad, I mean, you you have got guys like your brother and sort of Jason Martin who are sort of footballers at this time of the year generally. I mean, how has sort of like the team preparation gone? You managed to get a few sort of net sessions in and what have you? Yeah, so we've had a couple of weeks. Um, we've got obviously we, was it three Saturdays leading up. Was yeah, I've had two. We, got one more. Yeah, this was, week yeah. was the best we could get. Um, but yeah, Jason's been been training on Sundays with the Ireland squad as well, so he looks in good shape, um, as good as ever. Um, and then obviously Glenn's been with football, um, yeah. obviously breaking into GFC squads and stuff, but he'll be there Saturday to have a swing and get his eye back in. Um, but yeah, the UK lads have been having a hit, Fitchy, Hoops, Lemaire's as well. Everybody seems They've been to... sending us some video footage, they've omitted any balls they've missed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very select highlight reel. They look an absolute million dollars then to <laughs> from what we've seen. <laughs> You've got them inked in at one and two, have you? <laughs> I think they've got themselves inked in there. But yeah, everyone, everyone just, everyone's just so buzzing. It? Like it's, it's, the last six weeks has just flown by, mm. and now we're, what, 10, 11 days away from it. It's, yeah, it's still it's a crazy, bit pinch yourself at times, isn't it? Um, but it's, you know, a lot of work's gone into it. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a juggernaut, to be honest, and it's, it's almost turned into a bit of a job itself make you know with with sort of working with the ucl and, and knitting it all together but yeah as, as we kind of take the days off now as, as a group in our in our chats and so on and that it's certainly that excitement's building um the actual sort of setup they've got in spain I mean, I've, I've had a quick look on the internet it, it's, it looks pretty new but it also looks quite exciting but it's sort of right in almost like what they'd call the costa del golf country so i mean cricket must be a bit of a strange scenario sort of heading to spain for that sort of thing i mean how how is the the setup there as far as you you're aware of it yeah i mean it, the venue is established in terms of of it hosted this tournament the first time they played it and it hosted I guess what you'd probably call the country version of this that was played second half of last year so it's kind of become European cricket's venue for the the regional tournaments that it offers because there's there's more to it than just just this what we're doing um I think the the, the guys behind the UCL work closely with cricket Spain um I guess to evolve that venue certainly when I watched the tournament that was on BT Sport before Christmas, it looked very impressive. Um, we've had all the details through of the setup, and you know everyone's got their own sort of marquee for the for the week, um, and all the various different restricted zones and so on. So they certainly seem to know what they're doing. Um, I guess you know, like like Lewis said, though, it's, it's on a mat. It has to be in order to get all the games in. There's five games a day, so it's 25 games in the game week. So it's a lot of cricket, um, quite a high turnover, but. Everything's there. There's practice facilities there for us, so we get there an hour before each game, um, have a bit of, of a practice. Um, there's 
you know, food. We have our lunch there every day. There's there's catering and there's a there's a bar for spectators, and we can be comfortable watching the games when we're not playing if we want to. Um, and yeah, getting to and from there's a load of transport laid on, so it's 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 the real deal. Um, in terms of, in terms of sort of like the overall competition, you don't want to take you don't want to take anything for granted, whatever. You, but if you did happen to have a successful first week, you go back pretty much straight a month later, is it? If for finals week, I mean, how is that? tough to prepare for do you sort of like have to let people know you might be needed to go back in a month we genuinely haven't discussed it um, we've, <laughs> of course we've, get that. <laughs> we've 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 addressed the fact that it would be difficult yeah um, and we've all just pretty much said that but as I've been speaking to, to James Perchad over in Jersey just sort of on and off going through the same sort of experience more from an organizational perspective and James has actually got a second squad sorted and organized and ready um, clearly very confident about their chances I guess but they're week five so they're the final group week which means they would actually stay right. some would go back and some would come over and some would stay so I guess for them it's slightly different to us we would be back for three weeks before potentially going back again mm-hmm. uh, but we we genuinely haven't haven't spoken about it but you could to be honest I think just off the cuff getting probably two thirds of the of the 15 back out there again would probably be an achievement I think yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we're just kind of taking taking the, the group week, and we'll, we'll just see where we are. Um, and just in terms of the captaincy, Lua, I mean, is this? I mean, I've never sort of really known you as a captain. Is, is it something you've sort of done before in your junior career? Or anything yeah, like that? so I, I did a tournament in um, the under 17s European qualifiers. I did a tournament back then. Um, apart from that, I'm, not, I'm quite new to it, to be honest. I've, I've, I'll try and do it when if TK can't make a game. Um, well, you like to do the tosses and bat first. I do like to do the toss and bat first, yes. That's the Absolutely. bit you like about captaincy. Absolutely. I won't win one now a week. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it is new to me. And obviously, you've got big boots to fill with Tom not coming. Um, being a massive miss, as Rob said before. Bat, ball, field, off the field, um, everything. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. But To be fair, though, from, from my perspective, Luke said right at the start he wanted it which I like. Um, yeah, we've got people doing stuff throughout the week that they want to do, and that's that's the biggest job. Yeah. So Lua put his hand up straight away, as others did, um, and hence why we've, we've got this sort of group of us as well that are just mulling things over and, you know, we'll take time out during the week as, as a four to, to chat. Um, but it's, it's, it's Luke's job. Um, so I was really pleased when Luke put his hand up straight away and said, almost told me, effectively, mm-hmm. Um, which which is which is which is great. You know, I don't want to be looking around thinking, you know, who's going to do this because that's the one thing you sometimes find when Tom's done the job for so long and so well. Um, you then look around and there's nobody then putting the hand up, but that's not been the case. So, um, and straightforward decision for me in terms of Luke's trajectory, as, as I think we discussed in, in for, for an article you did in the paper. Um, it, it fits together nicely and. For, for Luke's own progression, I think it'll I think it'd be a really good week. So we've just got to mention the colour, <laughs> the, yep. the very bright pink that um, you will be wearing. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to roll out, um, I guess, new colours for the club. So we re-signed with Canaccord over the winter for further three years, which would take us up to ten years of sponsorship, which which is amazing. Um, and in the absence of Canaccord really having their own colour palette, we had free reign for what to do stuck with with black as the base color which we all like and we've thrown in a 
splash of very, very bright pink. <laughs> so we've got a range of, of travel and training kit, which we'll take to Spain, and some of that is extremely bright. And then it's slightly more toned down when we get back here in the summer for, for the next few years. So no one's going to miss you out there? No, you'll be able to spot us. Well, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, best of luck. We'll look forward to following it closely. Yeah, I'll, I'll have it running on my computer, I think, every day. Good luck, boys. Cheers. Cheers, thanks. Luke Letissier and Rob Thompson from Griffins, uh, talking to me and Gareth there. Uh, yeah, Gareth, it is a, a, it's a different sort of proposition. And I'm, I mean, if there's longevity to this tournament and the, uh, this kind of European cricket organisation, and they're, you know, they're throwing a lot of money at it for sure, uh, it will add a bit of extra spice, I think, to our evenly Division One title races because it, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's all paid for. It's a big prize and offer. Yeah, it's quite a carrot actually for to sort of get a, a trip to to Spain to play cricket for a week. Is you know, that, it's it's just a nice little um, extra bonus to. I mean, obviously the Roselle Shield winning that over here is sort of like it's it's the. The, almost the pinnacle of Guernsey cricket still. I mean, even though you might describe weekend cricket as as the forefront, but um, evening league champions is such a big thing locally. But to to have the added bonus of getting a trip away to Spain to play champions of other countries and and sort of feature on live streaming across the world for a week, it's it's uh, it's a it's a real added bonus, I think. Yeah, and looking at their squad, um, obviously they did very well last summer. No Tom Kirk, as, as we discussed. Um, but they've got some explosive hitting in there, not least in Luke Letizia. So if he can get going a few times, um, you know, yeah, you'd back them. We sort of laughed about it a bit that um, a couple of his reverse um, sweeps and what have you, as long as they come off, they might be going viral on on sort of like on Twitter and what have you. But I think actually that will probably happen, to be honest. The, the way Luke certainly batted last year or last summer, um, the way he hits the ball so cleanly and um, and the variety of his shots, they're, they're very eye-catching shots. It's its not particularly conventional, but um, he gets the most out of it and um, it, he'll certainly be worth watching. But yeah, like you say, Tony, their squad is, has got a lot of uh, uh, potential with the batting. Certainly Ben Fitchett will be back for them and he, he can hit it a long way. Jason Martin, wicketkeeper, is very good. He can also hit it a long way as well. And um, old David Hooper, of course, old is perhaps a bit harsh, but Hoop seems to have been around for so many years. But he's such a, an unconventional cricketer; he could be um, featuring quite heavily on, on on the highlights reels from that um, from that week. So, I think it's great for Griffins, and um, they'll certainly be standing out as well in their in their bright pink shirts. And um, uh, all the best to them. I hope they do well. Gets yeah. underway on Valentine's Day, Monday, the fourteenth of Feb. Um, as I say, five days. Uh, of cricket for them to get into and uh, yeah we'll be following it very closely um what else are we looking out for over the next sort of week or so or you know, a bit closer to home it's great to know uh, great to see that uh, raiders are going to be back in action after last week's um, postponement they 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 uh, had issues with uh, filling a front row which of course in in the the level of rugby they play you have to have specialist front row players otherwise um, there's a big safety issue so um, they were missing quite a few last week, so they were not unable to, to go to Leicester Lions. But um, they returned to action this week. They're going to um, second place Isha, who are arguably the title favourites in National 2 because they've got games in hand. They're only one point off the leaders, Clifton. They've got two games in hand. So um, it will be a it'll be a really big test for Jordan Reynolds and his team. But um, because of the, 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 the people they've got missing, what have you, Jordan's very excited by the game. It's, just, it's basically a no-pressure game for Guernsey. They won't be going there as favourites or anything like that. It's pretty much a free hit for them. Um, and um, 
if if they come off, they've obviously got a lot of potential to, to score points in their certainly in their back line. You know, the Armstrong brothers and Callum Roberts has been in great form recently. He's, he's on the wing again. Um, they could pull off a bit of a shock, and I'm sure the the other title contenders will be looking to Guernsey to perhaps um, restrict Isha to as few points as possible as well. So I think it could be a really good game, that one. Yeah. Good to see them back after last week's troubles. Uh, it already feels, I mean, the season's a long way uh, gone already, but there's a long way to go yet, and of course finishing with those times. So, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, good to see them sort of soldiering on. Well, I say this weekend is obviously the first weekend of the Six Nations Championship, and that's sort of traditionally a, a bye weekend in um, sort of the rest of rugby so people were allowed to sort of watch the, the internationals but because Guernsey need to make up a, a lot of games they're playing this weekend there's quite a few games actually in National 2 this weekend it's not a full list but there I think there's about half a dozen fixtures um, so yeah and like you say Tony Guernsey have got pretty much a game every weekend from now till 21st of May which is when the, the second of the double header Siams is due to be so it, it is asking a lot um, they, they are they're showing the strength and depth of their squad which obviously far improved from when they were last in National 2 um, and for the next few weeks Jordan's, Jordan Reynolds is having to do quite a bit of coaching himself because he's for, for a little while he's lost his right hand man Malcolm Barnes who's headed back home to New Zealand with, um, with his fiancée um, Megan and who, who's basically the team manager as well so they're they're not on site. So Jordan's I think quite quite um, enjoying getting some a bit more hands-on coaching for the next few weeks, and we'll we'll see what effect he has on on the on the attack yeah. that Guernsey have and the level of organisation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the admin might go a bit downhill if uh, Megan's not around, but um, I think she might still be doing uh, what she, whatever she can from from down in New Zealand for now. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Jamie, where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, so on Sunday morning, we've got the start of the Guernsey Athletics Club. Uh, popular road series uh, starting with a five miler from Rockbellon to North Beach uh, it's a point to point course obviously you'll be hoping for a favourable wind and the wind is not looking very favourable bit of a headwind here <laughs> although not particularly strong so we could still get some decent times and I think it's down to who turns up on the day uh, we've got last week's podcast start here with the Sheminance on the list and hoping to expand his recent form on the cross country uh, yeah so we'll see what happens on the day yeah as you say a popular series that one um, and Gareth you're going to be hockey I think is that right? yeah um, the hockey season is sort of reaching a really exciting climax actually in both the men's and, and women's league the um, uh, Cubs are playing Panthers in the Women's League on, on Saturday morning and both are in the running for the title. There's only sort of like a couple of games left um, in, in that league for each club. So um, that, that could be quite pivotal with with who comes out on top in the end. Um, and the Men's League, is the, the three-way title race, is just it just keeps flipping and flopping. Um, uh, Yobbo's went from first to third last week because they didn't play. They'll be back in action this week. They could get... They could get to first. They could get to second. It's just it's very hard to call. But um, yeah, there's some more important games um, in that one. I think uh, Colombians are playing uh, Elizabeth College and Yobo is playing Casuals on Saturday. So um, it will likely be all change again at the top of men's division one. Yeah, good stuff. Um, well, let's leave it there. Just heads up for something to look out for next week. A bit of a special on junior golf on the island. Definitely going great guns at the moment. So that'll be dropping in your feed. Um, well, this time next week. So keep an ear out for that. In the meantime, uh, do pick up a paper uh, Monday to Saturday for, of course, the very best local sports coverage. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.